Hey friends, before we start this episode, I wanted to share about my Catholic shop. Together, the Lord and I created beautiful products for you to grow in your faith and to share with others. Be sure to check out the rosaries, greeting cards, stickers, and more at AbundantlyYours.org. Hey there, I'm Whitney, your host of the Abundantly Yours podcast. I'm a wife, college student, and entrepreneur ready to strive for sainthood right alongside you. Jesus put this podcast on my heart as a way to serve you better, so I am so pumped that you are here. I'll be hanging with you every Monday and Thursday to chat all things discovering your purpose, cultivating a relationship with Jesus, and everything else in between. Are you ready to fully step into who God created you to be? Let's do this, girl. Hello, Cecilia, and welcome to the podcast. I am so excited to have you here and to get to share in a conversation all about recognizing and embracing beauty during difficult seasons in life. Welcome. Thank you so much for having me on. This is such an honor and privilege to be on your podcast. I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Me too. I love getting to talk to everyone. I say that at the beginning of every episode, but I genuinely love to get to know people more. So um, yeah, before we dive in, would you please introduce yourself? Yeah. So uh, my name is Cecilia Leskowitz. I am a freelance music teacher, performer, and composer in uh, central Pennsylvania. Um, I just recently graduated with my master's degree in flute performance. So diving from school into the freelance life has been really cool. Um, Aside from that, I also um, have a small business where I sell chapel veils and wedding veils um, called Ave Maria Veil Co. Mm. That's on Etsy. Um, I also have a Catholic Instagram account called Missionary of Beauty um, that really exploded during the pandemic, very surprisingly. Um, Mm. And (laughs) that's been a fun time with that. And I also have uh, begun a nonprofit to connect Catholic musicians um, Mm. called the Hildegard Collective. So check us out on Instagram as well. Um, And most recently, I have just become my parish's middle school youth minister as well. So I wear a lot of hats (laughs) a lot of things and it's absolutely wonderful. I I, just over the last several months taking, you know, a step into freelancing from being in grad school and uh, really just out of school in general for the first time in my life since I was three. Um, (laughs) I'm so grateful that the Lord has led me towards freelancing um, because I've always had lots of different interests like growing up. And even in undergrad, I could tell that like I wasn't quite made for the nine to five typical lifestyle Like I needed to be doing multiple things in order to, I don't know, feel more fulfilled and feel like I was doing what the Lord wanted me to do and to use those talents that he's given me. So it's really, uh, it's really worked out so beautifully. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I definitely 100% love the freelance entrepreneur world. It's awesome. Um, Yeah, and it's cool that you get to do so many things through um, all of your passions. And that's another thing I love talking about, which we could go down a whole road talking <laughs> yeah. about your gifts and talents, right? Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. But it's awesome um, just the way that um, the Lord is calling you to use those in yeah, so many different ways in your life. Um, so yeah, we're talking about difficult seasons, seasons of life. And before you give all of your wonderful advice you have for us, do you have any personal experiences you'd like to share with us? 100%. Yes. Um, so going back to college, well, actually, you know what, let's fast forward or not fast forward, rewind. There we go. Um, (laughs) Back to when I was, when I was young, um, I struggled with gratitude when I was little, actually for a really long time. My mom recounts Mm -hmm. a story where like, she, she's a, a voice teacher and she had this one older student who was this really sweet woman and really doted on me. And she like gave me this bracelet once when I was like three. And actually, I remember this. I could not say thank you. Like I would not say thank you for this bracelet. So like, she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed right now. And I was like, looking back, I'm like, wow, I'm really sorry, mom. Um, yeah. I really struggled with, you know, gratitude and stuff uh, throughout a lot of my life. And when I was younger, I kind of had a natural knack for seeing, you know, the good and the beautiful in, in things. Um, I remember a family member pointed it out, like they were trying to like describe some tough situation. And I was just trying to look on the bright side, you know, about, about and it's yeah. the best of like this person. And, you know, they made a comment about that. And I remember that really sticking with me 
but then like in high school it kind of that kind of got lost you know I think you know I like to think back on a quote from C.S. Lewis it's actually in the I think it's in the preface to the lion the witch and the wardrobe he writes this little uh dedication to his niece or not his niece his his goddaughter and he says that you know I wrote this book for you and um when I started reading it like or writing it you were still young enough to read fairy tales but like I forgot that um girls grow faster than books and now you're able to read this but someday you're going to be old enough to read fairy tales again and you know um I really uh a few years ago that really like kind of caught my imagination and looking back I think I see that pattern in my life where like you know when I was younger I had this knack for seeing beauty and then you know as we get older the world jades us right you know yeah. And that's exactly what happened to me, you know, through high school and into college. Um, when I started college, I was a double major in music education and flute performance. After about a semester of that, I dropped music education and was just flute performance. Um, and so I quickly realized, you know, if you're going to do a degree in music performance, you really have to practice a lot and you really have to have um lofty goals essentially because it's a very competitive world um and i really wanted to play flute in a major orchestra and like it's like that's insanely competitive flute is one of the more competitive instruments than something you know less known like the french horn or you know the or bassoon you know (laughs) and there aren't as many people who play those so it's not as competitive yeah, everybody plays the flute. I think violin is probably like the only yeah. instrument that's more competitive than that. And uh, in an orchestra, you only have about two to three flute players, maybe four. And so mm-hmm. when s- spots open up, which is not often, you know, you'll have anywhere from like 100 to 200 flute players auditioning for one single spot. So like, yeah. I was super focused on this. And I was like, I really want to play in one of these major symphonies someday. So I mapped out this game plan for myself. I was practicing like four hours a day my sophomore year of college on top of rehearsals. Um, I had no life <laughs> outside of my roommates. Like I would, I would, you know, hang out with my roommates sometimes and, you know, call my mom because my mom and I are besties. But like outside of that, yeah. I really had no social life at all. Everything was in a practice room. My spiritual life was had not really taken off by this point in my life at all. I was just uber focused on this. And it honestly made me miserable. Like, absolutely miserable. I was not doing yeah. well mentally. Um, I was pretty anxious. And I think, it, you know, from focusing on this, this hyper-focused, you know, life of, okay, after undergrad, I have to get into, like, the best grad school so that I can, yeah. like, start, you know, yeah. auditioning for orchestras right out and, you know, all that sort of stuff. And yeah. Um, and I remember going home that summer and I was working two jobs. And in between, you know, my two jobs, which I was working anywhere from 40 to 60 hours a week, I was practicing. Like I would wake up and I would practice for a half an hour. I would go to work to my one job, come home for like maybe like I would have an hour for lunch and before I went to my next job. And I would, you know, spend time during that practicing and I would come home from my next job and like practice until I went to bed. And so um, by the end of that summer, I was feeling a little on the burnt out side of things. And the Lord was starting to like kind of knock at the door of my heart. And so at the beginning of my junior year, I was like, you know what? I think on top of everything else, I'm going to develop a prayer life because that'll probably help me deal with this just, you know, constant pressure and stress that I've put myself under and help me get through, you know, everything. Yeah. And as I'm starting to develop this prayer life, you know, the first couple weeks of like my junior year, I occurred to me that maybe I needed to ask the Lord what he thought of my plans. Mm -hmm. And that ended up looking like two weeks later, (laughs) I was practicing one night and my index and middle finger on my right hand stopped moving, like completely stopped moving. And I was like, what is going on? It was very freaky. Um, 
Wow. It was just really cold because my my high school music really kept like the AC on until like middle of October. So it was like, it was probably 50 degrees in the room that I was practicing in. And so, you know, it was cold. So I was like, maybe it's just that. I'll go back to my dorm and see how I'm doing in the morning once I've, you know, really thawed out here. And the next morning I had lost all strength in that hand and I could like, I couldn't even pick up a pencil. So I'm going through my day and just like kind of like concerned about this because I'm like, I can't play flute if I can't hold a pencil in my right hand. You know, what's going on here? And that evening I was hanging out with one of my friends and telling him about this. And we ran into one of his friends who was a nursing major. And he was like, ooh, let's tell her what's going on with you because maybe she has like some insight. And he was like, Cecilia, you need to get to the ER because this might be something extremely serious. And I'm like, ah, okay. So I went to the emergency room and family history. And I have an aunt who has MS. So they were like, I don't know, this could be early onset MS. Let's test you for that. And I was just like, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I'm like 20 years old. I'm like, I can't have MS. I'm only 20, you know? And um, yeah, fortunately I didn't have MS. But the next morning, once my results came back and the neurology team spoke with me, they they were like, you know, it's probably carpal tunnel syndrome. And my first thought was one of relief because that is sounds so much better than, you know, MS. Yes. And yep. I was I was like, great, I can handle, you know, carpal tunnel syndrome. And the doctor was like, you have to take the next couple months off from playing flute. And I was like, I can do that. That's fine. And then over the next week or so, it started to really sink in what was going on with my hand and my wrist. And it became very apparent to me. Two things became very apparent to me. Number one, the flute had become my identity. Like I was a flutist. Mm. That was who I was. I really wrapped my entire identity up in the flute. And with that, um, it was also my emotional outlet. So, you know, whereas before I was able to process this, you know, stress and pressure in some way through playing the flute and playing these emotional pieces of music and, you know, just really getting into that, I couldn't do that anymore. And so that was the first thing. And then the second thing that became apparent to me was this whole idea of becoming an orchestral flutist was not going to happen (laughs) at all. Yeah. There was no way. Like, even if I got my wrist in a fairly stable place, playing for that many hours a day was probably not reasonable. I also found mm-hmm. out that carpal tunnel runs on my dad's side of the family. And I have oh, yeah. grandma who's had surgery. I think I've had an aunt who has surgery. So, um, so I was already, like, genetically predisposed to hand injuries. Yep. <laughs> it was just very clear to me that this was not the path the Lord wanted me to go down. So I'm sitting here, a junior in college, past the time where you can really switch your major around and thinking, what mm-hmm. the heck am I going to do with my life? <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, no. So this was a very difficult period of life for me. I hit rock bottom, really. Um, I almost dropped out of college. It was really just, you know, having good friends and a good support system around me um, that kept me in college. Otherwise, I'd probably be working in fast food right now, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The Lord really blessed me there. And he also, um, he blessed me with a deepening of a relationship with him because, you know, everything had been kind of stripped away um, in a certain sense in terms of career, identity, all that. And I had to... Either I was going to turn to like terrible things, which mm-hmm. the type A rule follower and follower in me was not going to turn to, I had to turn to the Lord. And yeah. so I turned to the Lord. I remember um, just sitting outside, you know, one night outside of the School of Music. So I, I went to Catholic University of America in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. One huge blessing of that is that you have the Basilica of the Immaculate Conception right there next to campus. Yeah. And in fact, it was right across from the School of Music. Like it was like a two minute walk from the School of Music to the Basilica. And I remember just sitting outside one night, looking up at the Basilica, just being like, Lord, what the heck is going on? Like just really just unleashing all of this frustration and this anger, you know, and disappointment and sadness and just all these emotions I was feeling. 
And I definitely did not get any answers that night. I went home to my dorm room. But around, like, shortly after that, I don't know if it was, it must have been an inspiration from the Holy Spirit or something. But I decided that I was going to start keeping a gratitude jar. And I was going to make myself write down one thing that I was grateful for every night. Whether it was something, you know, big, something small. Um, I was going to make myself write down one thing I was grateful for because everything was just so, everything felt so out of control and so just meh. And there was something inside of me that was telling me that even though everything was just terrible, you know, and that I had no idea what I was doing with my life, that there there had to be, there had to be something good in it nonetheless. And I could recognize that, like, especially in the friendships that I had, because, you know, I could see that that's something still good in my life. You know, I have this really good support system. So I thought there must be other things as well. So I started keeping this gratitude jar. And some days it would look like, you know, oh, I had lunch with my friend Tara and we had a really fun time. And other days it would be like, the sun was shining, (laughs) you know, (laughs) (laughs) asking for something, you know. But through that, that cultivated this attitude of gratitude in me, which I had not had prior to this, really, as we can see from my young childhood, where I would not say thank you for things. Terrible child. (laughs) Um, (laughs) And it it developed this attitude of gratitude in me. And from there, being able to see the good allowed me to see what was beautiful in my life. And there was a lot that was beautiful in my life, even if it was just the sun shining, you know, the sun is so beautiful. And, and during this time, I was also um, taking my theology requirements because I had put them mm-hmm. off until the later half of college, just due to how, <laughs> how my schedule was set up. The first yeah. two years of being a music student is very, very busy. And, and there was no room for me to take these. Yeah. And now looking back, I can see that was really the Lord being like, here, you get an opportunity to learn about me in this really mm-hmm. difficult time of your life. And so I'm, you know, I'm taking these theology classes and you know I think the idea of the transcendentals was brought up in there how God is you know beauty truth and goodness and that really resonated with me and it made me want to learn more about him and to see him in in everything and that allowed me to be able to then embrace what was beautiful about my life and there was so much even though you know I had no idea what I was doing with my life Mm-hmm. There was there was so much. I had such good friendships in my life that year, which I hadn't really had before then. I had a lot of yeah. struggles growing up with friendships, just a lot of really mm-hmm. crappy friends. Um, and same here. <laughs> I'm so sorry, it's the worst, isn't it? It is. Yeah. <laughs> and then when the Lord brings those friendships into your life that are good, it's like whoa, you know, and. I was able to recognize that even more clearly through this. I was able to recognize the blessing Mm -hmm. that my family was. I have a really good, supportive Catholic family um, that really gave me, I think, honestly, they gave me the foundation to even be able to turn to God in the first place during that period of my life. Um, I was able to see the beauty of nature in a way that I really hadn't stopped and considered it before. Now that I wasn't, you know, spending hours in the practice room, hours in rehearsal, I had time to go on walks. I had time to go yeah. outside and just, you know, observe, you know, the the changing leaves in autumn. And when spring came around to be able to, DC has all the cherry blossoms in the spring, you know, yeah. be able to go down there by myself and just walk around and just experience that beauty of God's creation. And it even, even stepping away from music gave me a new lens in which to view music through. And I started discovering, um, you know, pieces that I hadn't heard before and songs that I hadn't heard before and artists that I didn't know about and just more beautiful music in my life. And I was able to appreciate it in a way that I hadn't been able to when I was playing it constantly. Um, And actually through that, I learned that I actually could write music too, um, I had a really good friend who loved songwriting, still loves songwriting. I shouldn't say loved. She loves it still. <laughs> um, and she, she taught yeah. me how to, you know, write a chord progression that hadn't been something that had clicked through my music theory classes for whatever reason, but it clicked with 
yeah. her kind of just sitting down at a piano with me and being like, this is how you do it. We ended up writing some songs together, which was really fun. But then I was able to take that and translate it back over to the more classical side of things, which is where I've always been drawn towards. And I started writing music from there. And yeah. that's something I've been able to take with me since. Um, and just having that time to breathe, appreciate beauty and cultivate gratitude ended up putting me on a totally different trajectory with my life in many ways. Um, you know, I'm still doing music. Yeah. I didn't know at one point or not if I was going to be able to go to grad school for music or if I would need to do something else. I thought about yeah. doing library science, actually, yeah. um, because I was like, well, that's a job I won't hurt my wrists in, you know. Yeah. Because even as my carpal tunnel healed, I ended up with tendonitis in both arms. And that's something I still struggle with uh, to this day. Um, and yeah. so I, I, I was still, you know, planning on auditioning for grad schools, but it certainly wasn't grad schools like Juilliard, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Um, I remember my mom calling me up one day during, I think it was the spring of my junior year and saying, hey, you know, I'm, so I'm from the town where Penn State is located. I said, she was like, you know, hey, like there is a assistantship opening up for the flute program the year you would be going into your master's degree. You might want to look at Penn State. My first thought was, no, <laughs> I don't want to do that. I don't want to go home, you know, for grad school. Um, you know, I want to I want to go somewhere else. And yeah. At the same time, in that moment, I knew that that was where I was going to end up. Like I had this very Holy Spirit moment where it's just like, yeah, you're going to you're going to end up going going back home for grad school. Yeah. I was not happy about it at first. But then that summer, I ended up babysitting for the flute professor at Penn State and getting reacquainted with her. I knew her a bit in high school, um, but she you know, started talking about that assistantship with me and it sounded more and more appealing. It was, it was a tuition free program. If I had that assistantship, yeah. it would give me a living stipend. I realized I could live with my grandparents in town and save money um, yeah. that way. So I could use some of that stipend to pay off, you know, my student loans from undergrad. And it started mm -hmm. looking more and more appealing. But then as I got into the fall of my senior year, it was, my tendonitis really flared up and I, I didn't even know if I was going to be able to do my grad school auditions. I spent so much time yeah. in the Basilica that, that fall and that, that spring just in front of the blessed sacrament in the blessed sacrament chapel, just like, Lord, I don't know what you want, but like, yeah, you know, I trust that it's going to be good. I trust that it's going to be beautiful because he had kind of allowed that period of time before that to really instill this, this trust in him. And this recognition yeah. of his goodness and his beauty, especially his beauty. And I remember one day after I had actually, I had successfully completed all of my grad school auditions in, in early winter, or no, early 2020. It was in January and oh, yeah. of 2020. And just praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament, being like, Lord, if you want this to work out, you have to give me a full ride somewhere. Otherwise, I'm going to look elsewhere for for what to do next. I was looking yeah. at maybe years of service at that point, I think. And I thought that would have been really cool. And a few days later, I got a text from the Penn State flute professor offering me the assistantship. And I was like, okay, this is what you want, Lord. You want me to go keep playing the flute. <laughs> like, even though it's painful and whatnot. Um, he also found me a really good physical therapist during that time who was Catholic, yeah. incorporated the Holy Spirit Ooh. into like her practice. And that yes. ended up helping too. So he took care of it on that end. COVID hit yep. <laughs> and I went home and finished my music degree online, which is not easy. Uh, the degree of music, is, it's so in-person that it just, it was a disaster putting that online. Yeah. All over the country, everyone struggled with that. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. But in all degrees, you know, too. So. Mm -hmm. um, so I finished up my degree. I started my master's and um, I was wondering, you know, what he kind of wanted out of me after my master's degree. But again, he had cultivated this love of goodness and this love of beauty in me, especially this love mm -hmm. of beauty. And I wanted to share that with other people. And so I created an Instagram account. And that's where my Instagram account comes from, Missionary of Beauty. That all springs from my experiences, you know, in my the later half yeah. of college. 
um, wanting to just share that beauty of God with other people. Um, and he also put on my heart right before, right before COVID hit, um, I was listening to an episode of the Abiding Together podcast. And one of the hosts said on there something about dreaming big for God, like go dream, dream big for God. Mm, The first thing that entered my head was it would be so cool if there was like a retreat for Catholic musicians. At this point, I was so wholeheartedly into my faith and like, just be so cool to like combine the faith and music together as you know, it used to, it used to really be linked together. You know, we can actually yeah. thank the Catholic Church for, you know, your favorite pop song. Like, it's influenced yep. developments of music made back way, way back in like the 12th, 13th centuries from the Catholic Church, yep. especially the Cathedral of Notre Dame in Paris. Um, mm-hmm. Lots of musical innovations happened there and that really have led to the development of pop music as we know it. It's crazy, I know, to think of. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, I was just like, it'd be so cool to just bring that together again. And so I ended up applying right before COVID as well for something called the Given Institute. And it's this young Catholic women's leadership forum that happens every summer. I so wholeheartedly recommend checking it out. It is it. I ended up going not the summer of 2020 because they postponed it, but the summer after of 2021. You go in with an action plan and you're assigned a mentor after the actual in-person forum that they have. And that mentor walks you through the following year, a development of that action plan. At the forum itself, they really steep you in what it means to be a woman and how to be a woman and how, what, what does female leadership look like? What does that look like in the church? What does that look like in the world? It's so good. It's so good. Honestly, going to that was one of the highlights of my entire life thus far. So my action plan was to put together a retreat for Catholic musicians, and then it was postponed because of COVID. <laughs> and it actually ended up being a huge blessing because over, you know, over COVID, I went on many COVID walks with my mom, and yeah. she's also a musician. Both of my parents are musicians, actually. And we just started talking about this, you know, the field of music, as with all fields today, are is just hostile to the Catholic faith in certain things. Yeah. Um, certain things are more prominent in the field of music, especially in terms of hostility. There also, there's an active, um, attempt to erase what the Catholic church has contributed to music, which ironically enough, if, you know, if, if musicians succeed at doing that, the industry of music itself will fall apart because it is so built on the contributions of the Catholic church to music. I could go into that another day. (laughs) (laughs) yes but we were talking about just how isolating it can be to be a catholic musician in this field especially if you're working in a secular field not so much for the catholic church and you know there's a need for beauty in our world you know Mm. there's so much ugliness so much pain so much hurt music is healing music is beautiful it's aesthetic sound you know that's what it is you know and beauty is a primary way through which God draws others to himself. So, you know, my action plan turned from a retreat for Catholic musicians to putting together some kind of apostolate for Catholic musicians. So I went into given with that. And I ended up, my mentor was the dean of the School of Music at Catholic University of America, which was a huge full circle moment for me because I had taken voice Uh lessons with her my last year of college, and she wrote me a letter of recommendation for Given. So it was just like, Uh oh my gosh, this is so cool. And she was, she's just been so enthusiastic about this project, and she really helped me um, really put together a foundational starting point for it. And then... I entered the OSV Innovation Challenge, which is, if you don't know what that is, it's basically like, almost like a Catholic shark tank. (laughs) You could almost use it as in many ways, but it helps you basically develop a project and um, there are different rounds that you go through. Um, So I was doing that and I'm actually currently a finalist in this competition right now and um, competing for uh, one of their three $100,000 prizes to, you know, kickstart what we're doing. So that's, you know, the Lord has just so brought that to the surface of, you know, what he wants me to do and just, you know, to help other Catholic musicians connect with each other, have that support of faith 
be formed in the mm-hmm. faith and then from there be able to collaborate and innovate with one another and bring beauty to more beauty to the world yeah. none of that would have happened if it hadn't been for that wretched season of my life where everything was falling apart and yeah. the lord just so totally changed my career tra- trajectory and but allowed me yeah. to develop that lens of beauty through which to see the world yeah. So that's kind of my story. That's kind of how yeah. the Lord has has used beauty, you know, in my life. And but it really it was cultivated during that difficult season. And now looking yeah. back, I see that that season of my life is one of the biggest blessings of my entire life. Mm-hmm. I am so grateful yeah. that I got carpal tunnel when I did, which is yeah. like right there. It's just grace to be able to even say that, right? You know. But yeah. It really is. It's the biggest blessing of my life. And now I can help others to see beauty, help others to cultivate mm. beauty, to share beauty with the world. So, yeah, yeah, that's so good. I loved hearing that. It's almost like I get to got to know who you were in literally the 20 minutes that you're talking. I loved it. Um, and it's so fun to hear those personal experiences. And um, yeah, I'm definitely in that season of like, not necessarily like rock bottom difficult, Um, But kind of like, yeah, I graduate with my bachelor's degree in December. um, And so I'm kind of just like, okay, Lord, like I now have time to give a full-time job going forward. Like no more going back to school, no more summer little full-time jobs, you know, like I got to be a real adult now. (laughs) And so, um, yeah, I'm kind of in a season of my life, like um, I'm writing down all of these opportunities that come my way. So if someone mentions mentions one thing about a job, I have my journal list going. Um, so I don't, one, forget about it, but two, so I can keep the Lord involved. And so like mm-hmm. right now it's like, you know, I don't necessarily see that beauty in the season because I'm just like kind of confused. Like I started the podcast up again and I wholeheartedly would love to do this full time. Um, but I have a lot of growth to do with the podcast. Jesus, Jesus does too. He'll help me out. But yeah. Um, you know, just like waiting, uh, it's kind of like just a waiting season of like what door is going to be open. Yeah. Um, and I know after this season of like restlessness and just like not knowing what's happening because I'm that type A girl who just wants a plan. Oh yeah. Um, totally you know. resonate with that. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, for sure. So yeah, just like um, being patient with the Lord is difficult because the outcome is always 10 times better. Um, so yeah. Um, in life, we all experience difficult seasons. I'm kind of walking through one right now. You've walked through one. Um, what does God tell us to do um, to still remain in him through it all? Well, one th- one image that just always resonates with me, and actually I was just reading this in, I think, the Gospel of Luke the other day. I'm trying to work my way through the Gospels, and right now I'm in like smack dab yep. of Luke. And <laughs> there's the one story where, you know, he's with his disciples in this boat. And the storm arises and he's sleeping and the disciples are like freaked out out of their mind, you know, just like, what is going on? Lord, help us. Like we're going to die, you know? And he just, he, he rebukes the storm and it's silent. And he looks at them. He's like, you know, do you have faith? (laughs) You know, faith that I'm going to be here. And I think that's something that the Lord especially speaks to us Mm. in these difficult seasons. You know, that's when the storms of life come, you know, he purposefully allowed that to happen, not just for those disciples to increase his faith, but because he knew it was going to be written down. He knew that it was like other people were going to read about this. And yes, I think, you know, he, he wanted us to know that in these difficult seasons, he's with us in these storms, he's with us. Maybe it may, it might seem like he's sleeping because what the heck yeah. is going on? I don't know what I'm doing, yeah. you know, or I can't make sense of this, the space that I'm in in my life, or, you know, I can't make sense of this grief I'm going through, whatever it might be, you know, cause it might not be just, you know, job or career related. It might be the loss of a really close friend or a family member, whether it's through death or just, mm-hmm. you know, some really just terrible situation. Maybe it's turned toxic or whatever, you know grief or trauma, you know, it might seem like the Lord is sleeping in our boat, but he's not, he's there. And I think he's almost more intimately there with us when we can't feel him than when we can feel him, you know, 
I think of that one yeah. quote from Mother Teresa where it's like, I'm probably going to butcher the exact quote, but it's it's something along the lines <laughs> of like, you know, when we suffer, it's because Jesus has come so close to us that he can kiss us. Yeah, and- that's the quote. I have it as a sticker. I made it into a sticker oh, when I ran my sticker shop. That. That's amazing. I literally think I have quote. it. Like, it's such a good I think I have it. I don't know. Yeah, suffering is a sign that you have come so close to him that he can kiss you. Yes, that's it. And yes. It's true, you know? That it <laughs> yeah. goes back to that that boat and that storm. He's there. We may not feel him, but yeah. he is there. And he's there intimately because he mm. feels it. You know, he chooses to experience our own sufferings, our own wounds. Like, yeah. he unites himself to us in those experiences. Mm. But he unites himself to us always. But in those experiences, yeah. in a very profound way, suffering itself can be beautiful and not in some like sick way but in the sense that you know god is beauty not that god is beautiful like he is beautiful but god is he's the essence of beauty all that we see on earth and experience on earth that is beautiful Mm. comes from that essence of beauty that is god yeah. And so Amen. because he is beauty and he suffered and he died on the cross for us and he enters into our own sufferings, he makes that suffering beautiful, not because the suffering mm-hmm. itself is beautiful, but because of what the suffering can do. You know, suffering is reactive, yeah. you know, and it may yeah. like a lot of us probably grew up hearing our parents just say, offer it up. And like, that can be like yeah. the worst thing to hear, especially when you yeah. understand like, the redemptive power of suffering. But we, if we, you know, choose to, even if it's through gritted teeth and, you know, a clenched jaw, like, you know, say, Lord, I hate what's going on right now in my life, but I'm (laughs) uniting this to your suffering. It's not going to make the suffering necessarily any better, Mm -hmm. but we're, by uniting it to him, we, he makes it beautiful. Yes. And because he sanctifies it and he allows it to be united to his suffering. And so therefore, you know, we can help bring graces to other people. You know, yeah. we're all one body in Christ. The body of Christ suffered. So we also suffer. Yes. So I love that. Oh my gosh. I, okay. I love the, the story of the boat, but we, I just literally launched a uh, release an episode about suffering. Um, like the episode 16, right before this one was all about suffering. Oh and yeah, we talked about like growing in intimacy with the Lord through your suffering. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Go listen to it. If you haven't listened to it yet. Um, it's so good. Um, anyways. Yeah. If you just like some days, you know, picturing myself in the boat with Jesus, some days I have the grip on the boat wheel, whatever it's called, the steering wheel, whatever. Um, You know, I have grip and I'm like, no, like we're going to do it my way. But it's like, what would it be like if we lay down in the boat um, with Jesus and like let the boat go where it is supposed to go? Kind of just like literally like unclenching your fists and giving that to God. Like that's something literally kind of been my prayer. Like, Lord, unclench my fists because I am too controlling right now. Like, I just, you know, prayer actually, when I was towards the end of that initial first difficult season of life, I think Mm -hmm. it was in like a blessed is she planner. Like I got a blessed is she planner for the first time. I'm not a planner gal, but that's like the only thing I can actually like use. (laughs) Yeah. I remember seeing it in that and being like, oh, that hits deep. Lord, I'm like, yeah. yeah. It hits deep. <laughs> yeah. Yep, it does. Absolutely. Yeah. So what advice do you have for the woman who is walking in a difficult season? Um, in terms of like practicals, I think I have a few things. Number one, keep some kind of gratitude journal or gratitude jar. Make sure to put one thing in there at the end of every day. If you can think of more than one thing, amazing. That is awesome. You may not be able to think of more things if it's a really, you know, really hard day life and it's, yeah, it's better. So I would recommend doing that because it will help change your outlook if you are consistent with it. Um, So that, that's the first thing I would recommend. The second thing I would recommend looking back on my own experiences is um, being intentional about cultivating, you know, a love for beauty. 
Like, go out of your way, if you are able to, to immerse yourself in beauty. Beauty is healing, you know? Like, because God is beauty, truth, and goodness, there is healing power through truth, goodness, and beauty. So take advantage of that healing power of beauty, especially, you know, if you're able to spend, like, a few minutes outside and just just turn your phone off and just Mm -hmm. sit as long as it's not cold out. If it's like cold and snowing, maybe don't do that. Um, you know, if it's, you know, look out the window. Yeah. <laughs> like, look out the window then and just like, you know, admire the snow or, or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. Or maybe, you know, baking. I don't know. If you like mm-hmm. bake, go out of yeah. your way to take some time to bake. I know that might seem like, what does that have to do with beauty? But there is a beauty in it because you are creating something. Yeah. Um, And creativity and beauty really go hand in hand. And Mm. on that note, actually, of creativity, you know, um, with that, you know, go out of your way to maybe create something, you know, take like Saturday night and just learn how to hand letter or Mm -hmm. try your hand at like needlepoint or something like that. Like just something, something something beautiful that you can immerse yourself in creativity and it doesn't matter if you're good at it or not we we have this society that like you know even though I think now there's like this message of like just do things if you love it there's still kind of this overall like arching Mm. implicit message of like you should only do things if you're good at it and don't waste your time on anything else forget about that you know just we we are built with you know to create as humans because we are made in the image and likeness of a creator. Yes. So even if you're terrible at art, like I, I, I am horrible at the fine arts, but sometimes I will let myself just paint and it looks wretched, absolutely wretched, but I will do it anyway. It's therapeutic, <laughs> even though it's not good. Here yes. you can actually bring Lord unclench my fists in there. Lord unclench my fists with how, you know, terrible I am with creativity. Like allow me to not yeah. think like I'm terrible at doing this while doing it um so you yeah. immerse yourself in beauty and in creativity and then the third and really most important thing set aside a few minutes a day for intentional prayer time with the Lord again mm. turn your phone off with all of these things that I've just said turn your phone yeah. off if you can unless you're say like listening to music in which case you know you kind of might need your phone for that <laughs> um yeah but immerse yourself in, you know, even if it's just five minutes of prayer time with the Lord a day, do that. And really try to do that at the beginning of your day if possible, because there is power in starting your day and dedicating it to the Lord and giving him the first fruits. Yes. You know, going back mm-hmm. to uh, the Bible, I've been going through Bible Bible in a year with Father Mike Schmitz. Um, it's uh-huh. more Bible in my year rather than Bible in a year because I'm currently in the month of June. And it is September 27th as we record this. So <laughs> no worries. <laughs> so uh, Bible in my year um, with Father Mike Schmitz. And yeah, um, in I don't remember which of the books it was in. It was one of the either Numbers or Leviticus or something like that. But it talks about giving the first fruits, you know, mm, yeah. labors to God. And Father Mike, in his reflection for that one, talked about like, you know, it's it's good to pray every day and it's really good to like, you know, make sure we get that prayer time in. But like, it's even better if we can give him the first fruits of our day or something along those lines. It had something to do with that. Yeah. And I've really taken that to heart over the last several months. And like, I would say the last several months has actually been another difficult season of my life, but in a way different way, where it's like everything in... Yeah, surface is going really well, but it's now learning how to juggle all these different hats that I wear mm. and manage yeah. work-life balance, which I am shockingly horrible at. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, just keeping up the relationships in the life, my life that matter. Mm. So that's yeah. it's kind of its own special kind of difficult, and something that has really helped is steeping the first like few minutes of my day in prayer. If I can get like a good like half hour, hour of like prayer, including mm-hmm. like daily mass in, that's amazing. That's so good. That's yeah. Ideal. Yeah. I just get like this morning looked like five minutes. I just sat with like a prayer book that I have and just did like a morning offering, like a little like prayer to Mary, like, you know, dedicating mm-hmm. the day and like, you know, my thoughts, mind, soul to her, um, and, like yeah. a prayer to the Holy Spirit, you know, like just like even just something like that, like just start yeah. the day off with that. It helps so much. I promise. It does. Yes. I've been doing that. So I 
um yeah I talk about this a lot I'm just in a season of going deeper with the Lord growing in intimacy with him um and so like I have to drive to class um I commute so my husband and I live 35 miles from my college campus Mm. um and so you know some days I will drive that round trip so 70 miles some days I like will stay the night at my aunt and uncle's house Mm -hmm. um but those days where like I'm spending time in the car and the first week of class, I'm like, Lord, I hate this. Why do I have to do this? <laughs> um, but now like um, in the mornings when I'm driving to class so that I don't have like get up at seven, have to leave at eight in that time frame, you know, got to get ready, tidy up the apartment, get my husband out the door, make his lunch, all those, you know, duties that I have. Um I don't have the time to sit down and pray. And so I offer those 35 minutes in the car of silence. I pray the rosary um, and I just spontaneously pray and just give it to God. Um, But like today on my Tuesday, Thursday, Fridays, when I don't have to drive in the mornings, I um, like this morning, I spent 45 minutes in prayer. I just read the Bible Mm -hmm. um, really low key. Just like reading the Bible has kind of been like, my goal, just learning more about Jesus. And so I'm working in John right now. It's the first like book that I'm like working front to beginning to end through Mm -hmm. um, and like really like soaking it in and marinating in it. But like when I give God that time, the rest of my day is so peaceful. Mm. Like literally I'm not worrying about anything. Like I have my list of things to do, but I'm like, if one thing doesn't happen, I'm not going to hell. Like I'm not a bad person, you know? Oh yeah. It's so easy to define ourselves by our productivity which can be a whole nother conversation but oh yeah um I struggle with that literally so yes it's it's a battle it is it is I could do a whole episode on that so maybe I should write that idea down (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah just like giving your time to the Lord um and just when you're consistent with it the beauty really shows up Mm -hmm. not that it's not there but when you're able to just like slow down. And if there's dishes in the sink to do, so what? Like Jesus is more important than the dishes. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Spend time with Jesus, y'all. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. Yes. Yes, absolutely. So my favorite question we're going to end with, what is one piece of advice that you want every young Catholic woman to know? You are a beloved child of God. That is your identity. Nothing can take that away from you. It doesn't matter, you know, what you've done, where you've been, you know, it like nothing can take that identity away from you. Satan cannot, your job cannot, like your first and foremost identity is a beloved daughter of God. You are a, you know, a daughter of the most high king. So, you know, like just lean into that because from there, comes everything else about you like that tells you everything you know that that you are a daughter of God yeah yeah oh my gosh so good I love that I just did a post on Instagram about identity and um like insecurities and all those things um yeah and it comes down to um yeah we all have our insecurities and our um imperfectness right because we're human um but it comes down to knowing who you belong to, you know, yes, we're all going to struggle. We're all going to have these things, but if we can root ourselves in Jesus and find our identity in him, it's going to like, he's going to make our insecurities 10 times smaller because the only person who ever has the right to judge you is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus would never tell you those bad things you tell yourself. Right. Like he's never, ever going to tell you that. Um, And so just, yeah, embracing who God created you to be, um, because no one's ever going to replace you. No one ever, he will never make anyone like square perfect as you, um, you're no one will ever walk the same life as you either. So yeah, embrace your God given identity because it is irreplaceable. Yeah. And actually just quickly going off of that, you know, if you struggle with, you know, I don't know, thoughts of like just self-hatred or just, you know, really just getting down on yourself. And this, those like just spontaneously come into your head at times. I struggled with that for a long time in college um, and still do actually to this day. Just like, just, just one thing that can be really helpful is just remind yourself that that is not the voice of God. 
-hmm. It's not the voice of God. Go to scripture to find, Mm -hmm. you know, what the voice of God sounds like. My favorite book of the Bible is Song of the Song of Songs, because, you know, on the one hand, we can look at it as this like love poem, you know, between a man and a woman. And yes, that's totally what it is. But it can also be read as, you know, the relationship with, you know, Christ and the church, you know, God and humanity, God and the individual soul. St. John of the Cross was really big on that with Song of Songs um, in particular. And, you know, go there especially, you know, and read what the, the lover says to the beloved, you know, like that's what God is saying to you. And, you know, use that to cancel out those not even necessarily cancel out because it's a process, but like to begin to overpower those, you know, thoughts of like, I am the worst. I'm terrible. I'm a failure. I can't do anything right. Or even the more nuanced versions of those. Yeah. As time goes along, you know, use scripture to cancel out Mm. those and to overpower those because that's Mm. God's voice. If you feel like you can't really hear God's voice, Go to scripture, see what the Lord says about you. Yes. Yes. Amen. For sure. I um, am so excited to like, some days I'm like, can I just read the Bible all day? Like, do I have to go to class? Do I have to work? Like, can I just like read the Bible? Um, But being able like, you know, we live in a busy season. Allow yourself the time to be with Jesus. Like you will not find your identity in Christ if you can't give him 15 minutes of your day. Yeah. Right. Like you won't be able to, yeah, you, you know, you are a daughter of God. Like that is who you are, but like you won't feel like when you root yourself in Christ, you just feel so much peace and just, you feel so much confidence because you know who you belong to. Um, and so allow yourself to have the time. That's something that I never let myself do because I had this long to-do list. I'm like, I have to do this first before I can be with Jesus. And it's like, no, 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 no. Yeah. Like I have to be with Jesus before I can do anything on my to-do list. Yeah. And so, yeah, allow yourself that time. Turn off the radio in the car if you have a, you know, a commute, even if it's 10 minutes, spend that time in prayer. It's as simple as that. <laughs> Yeah, especially if you're like in a particularly busy season of life, using things like commutes is the best. When I was in grad school, um, campus was only about like a seven minute drive for me, but I had to make Mm -hmm. that trip up a couple times a day because I would have something like first thing in the morning and then I wouldn't have anything until like later in the afternoon. It's like, it's useless for me to just sit around for five hours in my office in the basement with like a tiny window that smells musty. Yeah, no thanks. Um, yeah, yeah. But I would use that time to like get in. Actually, I used to be able to get in a couple rosaries a day, just mm-hmm. making like a couple trips yeah. per day. Commutes are the best. Walking in between yes. classes, if like you're, you know, if you're a student, like that also is yeah. the best time to pray. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me. I had so much fun getting to know you, getting to share in this conversation, um, and just yeah. Chat, chat all about beauty yeah Yeah, thank you so much for having me like this was fantastic and just it was just so fun to do this episode with you so thank you for inviting me on yes absolutely hey girl we've made it to the end of this episode of the abundantly yours podcast if this episode touched your heart in any way i would be so thankful if you could head on over to subscribe and leave me a review that way you'll never miss another episode be sure to go follow me on instagram at abundantly.yours for more. See you next time.